Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one unbelievable page of Talmud every day. And today, in Tractate Gitin, pages 68 and 69, I was reading these pages, and just like in a cartoon, my jaw was dropping, my eyes were going quack, quack, quack out of their sockets, because these pages are so incredible, so chock full with action and violence and pratfalls and gags and fighting demons and all sorts of things that seem like they could be taken right out of a Looney Tunes cartoon or Buffy the Vampire Slayer or any number of pop cultural franchises that I absolutely love. I was so overwhelmed. I was so moved by this embarrassment of riches that I called the one and only person who I knew could enlighten, could teach, could really dive deep and give these two unbelievable pages the kavod, the respect that they deserve. I could sing his praises all day long. Uh, he is, among other things, the father of the Dark Knight and Birds of Prey. He's a former editor at DC Comics, one of the most insanely talented humans walking among us and the author of several of my kids favorite books including his own Haggadah and his own Megillus Esther book of Esther the one and only on his birth certificate he's Jordan B. Gorfinkel but to his fans myself included he's known simply as Gorf welcome back to the show sensei so wonderful to be here hey there take oneers and Jewish cartoon fans and Gorf fans in their legion, and I understand that we are speaking as you're about to get in your car and drive to the promised land? Yes, that would be San Diego, California, where starting tonight, actually, the Haliga Comic Con is beginning, and I will be on a couple of panels and meeting people and schmoozing and try not to enjoy too much because it is, after all, the nine days of mourning right now. But for me, it's a trade show, which means that it's work. So that's how I get away with it. So anti-Semitic to schedule Comic-Con during the you know nine days before Tisha B'Av. But listen, we have so much to talk about. So much, in fact, that I actually don't know which of the amazing stories on today's pages you want to educate me about. What struck you as you were reading these two truly unbelievable pages? Everyone should just go and read them in their entirety because they tell too many good stories to miss. What did you love best? This plot is truly monumental. And by the way, hearkening back to something you just said about uh, the nerve of them to schedule Comic-Con on the nine days, I have actually hosted panels before hundreds of people on Shiva Sarbatamuz and on Tisha B'Av on the fasts. <laughs> so it goes to show you that when you really set your mind to something, you can do anything. And I think that's a great segue into the unbelievable zaniness, craniness, craniness, craziness, and so forth that is this blot. There are three sections to it. And like you said, Liel, I'm not going to be able to do it justice in summarizing, so I'm going to hit on some of the high points. And I urge everyone, every listener, if you've never gone to the source material and read, this is the time you want to do it, because you just can't believe what you will be reading. 
We begin with a comedy of manners that puts Shakespeare or Warner Brothers cartoons to shame. Then it segues into fantasy and suspense about male and female demons and the king of all demons, the likes of which would be the envy of Tolkien or J.K. Rowling or Stranger Things. And in case all of the aforementioned story was presented in 3D format, it then wraps up with the ancient remedy for migraines and blindness and nosebleeds and more. Because we are Jews after all, and we need some kind of practical advice right there at the end. Well, and also because we love kvetching, and hey, you know, the rabbis were very human, and they loved their way around a good kvetch. On 68A, Rav Sheshet is at the home of the Reish Galuta. It's in translation, it's called the Exilarch, which sounds like something right out of a Marvel movie, right? That's a title I would like to have for myself one day. <laughs> right. I would like to be the Exilarch. Well, you can be Galactus and I'll be the Exilarch. How's that? <laughs> Done deal. Okay, good. So Rav Sheshit has strict adherence to Halakha, and he doesn't trust the Reish Galuta's servants to meet his standards. Naturally, they are insulted and they decide to do him in. Now, Liel. Tell me this isn't a classic Chuck Jones Roadrunner cartoon. Limashal, the servants are wily coyote. They are laying trap after trap for Rav Sheshet, who, despite being blind and not seeing the traps, manages nonetheless to outfox, or out coyote, the increasingly frustrated servants. Holy Lemaidafgamina. Add to the many splendored things that the Talmud predicts, Looney Tunes, which leads me to wonder, Many of the cartoon goats, greatest of all time, were Jewish. So perhaps was Chuck Jones Jewish? I'm going to leave you hanging there. Next up, the second act, we have Ashmi Dai, the king of all demons, who, spoiler alert, replaces and impersonates Shlomo HaMelech, King Solomon. And he's like the Super Scroll from Marvel, or the Founders from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, or like Tonks from Harry Potter, who's a metamorph magus. A metamorph magus. How do you pronounce that? Metamorph magus? We'll go uh, with that. <laughs> it, well, in, in non-Ashkenazi pronunciation, it's uh, metamorph magut, I believe. But yeah, we're, we're yeshivish, so it's <laughs> magus. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, um, Josh Cross. That is a Cross. joke for two listeners. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 sorry. Josh Cross, you cannot cut that out. That is just too good to cut out. you got to leave that in. Okay, back to our originally scheduled story. Next up, we have Ashmedai, the king of the demons. The reason Shlomo needs Ashmedai is that he's building the Beit HaMikdash, the holy temple, and he needs to cut stone in a perfect way without using any iron, without using any metal. So he needs to summon a Shamir, a mythical creature that can cut stone finely without using iron. Spoiler alert. A wild rooster is what it takes to summon a Shamir. And we conclude this bloviating blot with the third act, and that's, of course, the remedies for headaches and blindness and nosebleeds and everything else, which, by the way, involves slaughtering a rooster. We will get back to that. There are no coincidences in the Talmud. The spine of this blot, the thematic connective tissue, is deception, and the antidote, Liel, is facing the truth. Ashmedai is only being true to himself, or itself, and amasses great power at the expense of people who try to deceive him. So there is so much great story in these Dapim, as we said before, you got to go read this for yourself. But spoiler alert, we're going to skip to the end. Only at the end is he defeated, thanks to the wisdom of the queen. 
Now, Liel, in our preparation for this DAF, you asked me to pick out the section of the DAF that stands out to me. You said there's so much good stuff, you're not even for once going to identify one particular passage or paragraph. You're going to leave that to me, which I consider to be a real honor. Oh, it's it's never, it's unprecedented. Never before was this done. See, because if I had to choose, I would choose the bit in which one of King Solomon's henchmen goes ahead and empties all the water from Ashmedai's underground cave lair, places it with wine so that the king of demons <laughs> drinking it gets all drunk and therefore could could be snarled. Like, that is the kind of tale you will find on today's page. But you undoubtedly have something more elevated than that. What did you love? That's a great passage and a great section. And in fact, it segues nicely. I mean, it's from a storytelling perspective, this daf really has wonderful structure because it's segueing neatly from one story about wine to another story of about wine, from one story of deception to another story of deception. And for me, the key phrase that stuck out was this Aramaic phrase towards the end of the story, which was, Biku Bechare, Shlachulahu Bimuke Kaate. What does that mean? They ask the queen, who are they? They are the servants of the king who are trying to determine whether or not the king is genuine by whether or not he has human feet. Why is that? Because the king of demons, towards the end of this story, has replaced the king. He has shapeshifted and taken the form of the king. And no one is certain, is this the real king or not? Because the real king is out there as like a commoner begging. What's going on here? They need to determine. So the queen says, here's what you can do. You can check if the king is genuine by whether or not he is wearing socks. Yeah. And what's the reason? Because they ask the queen, can you check if the king is genuine by whether he has human feet? Well, duh, the king of demons isn't going to make a rookie error by not completely morphing from head to toe. So the queen sent a response back to the sages the servants, and said, he always comes in socks, so it is not possible to see his feet. What conclusion does this lead us to? You see, the queen knows the true king for who he really is, warts on his feet, and all. Thanks to her, they unmask the pretender to the throne. Of course, thereafter follows a machloket, a disagreement over whether or not the king remained a commoner or regained his throne, which shows us that there is another modern medium that the Talmud presages, which is video games. This is choose your own adventure. <laughs> Bottom line, <laughs> what is the lesson that we learn from all of these meandering, crazy, wild, fantastic stories. Because we know the Talmud is not just sticking in fables to entertain us, although entertained we are. They're putting them here because they want us to draw conclusions. And the conclusion that I draw is that you should embrace your loved ones. They know you best, and they will be the ones to stand by you in the darkest times. Otherwise, you'll be overrun by deception, and that, my friends, brings on demons and headaches and nosebleed and blindness that no slaughtered rooster can remedy or roadrunner can outrun. Meet me. Gorf, you've done it again. You have given us a masterclass connecting all the dots, defeating all the demons. This was a pleasure and a privilege. And now, my friend, you may go and uh, greet your adoring fans in Comic-Con. Thank you so much for being our guest. Always a pleasure, Liel. Shabbat Shalom.
This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, then you're going to enjoy our brand new Take One newsletter even more. Each week, you'll get an extra shot of Talmudic wisdom straight to your inbox. And for those who sign up before Tractate Gittin ends, we'll be raffling off some Take One swag. So make sure to subscribe at tabletm.ag slash Take One newsletter. As always, please go rate and review Take One on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And you could get your Take One t-shirts, mugs, and other amazing form of swag at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruske, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Robert Scaramuccia, Courtney Hazlett, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeone.dafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic.